E-B-E-L.com. This is Hurley in the Morning. Ah, Harry Hurley. That is a great name. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and WPGTalkRadio.com. True that. 54 minutes past the hour. Jim Alamut is here, the official, the exclusive real estate professional expert for the Hurley in the Morning radio program for more than two decades. I guess it's more than 25 years at this point, uh, almost the entire 28 years of our existence. 3153 Fire Road, Suite 1B in Egg Harbor Township, 609-646-5555. Some people pay very close attention to their business. Some people don't pay enough attention, but most people know what your mortgage percentage rate is. If you don't, I promise you it's very easy to find. You don't even need to go to the documents. You can just go to wherever you probably pay it from your smartphone or desktop, laptop, whatever, iPad, and it'll show. You can just go into summary, account summary, and it will show the date you started it. It'll show you the last date of um, when you'll make the final payment and paint your paint your front doors red, and it will show what the percentage is. If, if you can today sit down with Jim Malamut or, or teleconference with Jim Malamut during pandemic uh, coronavirus COVID-19, and you could take something from four point something, five point something, down to three or low three. You really should take a look at that. 609-646-5555. Your program, it always flies by, Jim. Very informative program, and I've had some nice people writing me saying great content. A good friend of the program, Tom, wrote great content. Uh, Jim, uh, take this one away. you got a lot of um, issues to cover here. Purchase volume, inventory that's available, prices, where do we stand in all these areas? Sure. So everything, you know, inventory is still down tremendously compared to normal. Um, you know, overall volume is down. You know, I think I saw 50% year over year um, for April and, and May. Um, so, you know, un- unfortunately, you, you know, people are expecting prices to come down. And that's not happening because, you know, everyone's kind of on hold and they're not just like going to lower their prices overnight. You know, it, but Jim, it, isn't also with inventory is down that that also keeps prices up? Exactly. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's just a matter of you got, you got to see what happens in the next six months to a year. You know, I've read some articles that think the Atlantic City area might be worse hit than anywhere else in the country. Um, you know, that, that didn't give me a lot of confidence. But at the same time, you know, we're not going anywhere. We still have the beach. Um, it's just a matter of surviving the pandemic and surviving the times and, and getting through it. And, 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 and there's going to be some tremendous opportunity that comes up if, if things do go that route. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that things don't get as bad as they say, but you just don't know what's going to happen here. So, well, um, the key is going to be when can we reopen? If we knew when we can reopen safely and that it wouldn't be for an inter- intermittent period where, oh, my gosh, we, we have a spike, and then we have to go shut down again. I don't know how a second shutdown would go for this area because a lot of people right now are on fumes. I mean, you, you think about it, Jim. How many people out there, we know what the numbers were before the pandemic, before anybody even knew there would be a pandemic. If you said uh, you were going to be without income for two months, that would typically mean well more than half the people would falter. They would fail at that point. So really the magic, uh, the secret sauce in the, the magic here is when can we reopen? Then when can we really safely reopen for real? 
where we're able to do the type of revenue that this area is capable of doing. Because if we get told, hey, the casinos can open at 25%, that that's only better than not opening at all. But yeah, that's a, that's a disaster if you're telling people that your three quarters still shut down. Right. And I think that's what's going to become, unfortunately, you know, at least at the beginning until, you know, thing, as the numbers hopefully continue to decline, then, then they'll continue to ramp things up. And, you know, again, I'm hopeful that New Jersey has been smarter by, you know, being slow with its opening. And then that, you know, well, we're like the, the turtle that, that beats the, 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 the rabbit, you know, in the end, because we were smart and, and get through it and instead of having to do it a second time. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Nobody knows, unfortunately. Everybody, you know, you're, we're seeing what's happening around the world, like South Korea, you know, Hong Kong. The places that were completely over it are having, you know, spurts of, of coronavirus again. And they're seeing, you know, they had nightclubs open. Now they're having to shut them down again. So you just don't know what's going to happen, unfortunately. 30 seconds, until, Jim. Um, sure. So my one last thing I wanted to get in here is my biggest concern is taxes going forward. All right, is that the, the lost revenue that we're going to have is that's going to get have to get made up somewhere, and unfortunately, I bet it's going to be property taxes going up around the the country, um, and, and possibly sales taxes and stuff like that. So, again, these kind of the, the, the it's math. Right. By the way, right when people either had their business destroyed or lost their job, we're going to tell people your taxes are going up. But I agree with you that that is going to happen. If we get, especially if Trump loses, yeah. So it's just it's just the way it's going to be. So um, again, if you're not if you're not leaving your house, this is the time to refinance right now in the next two to three months. Good the to talk to you, Jim. Go up. Thanks, my man. Thanks, Harry. Take See care, you, pal. You got it. Rick Maid is next. Five FM and fourteen fifty AM WPGG Atlantic City WENJ ninety seven point three HD three Millville. is a Fox News alert. Paul Manafort is free, sort of. I'm Dave Anthony. He was let out of prison early this morning in Pennsylvania. His attorney says the former Trump campaign chairman convicted in the Russia probe is relieved and headed home to Virginia to be confined in his home at a time when others have also been freed as the coronavirus spreads in jails and prisons. Manafort was convicted of fraud unrelated to Russia over his work in Ukraine years before the 2016 election. The president's ex-national security advisor Michael Flynn also caught up in the Russia probe. We'll have to wait to get his case dropped. The judge won't sign off yet he wants other legal opinions. Here's what he wrote. At the appropriate time, the court will enter a scheduling order governing the submission of any amicus curiae briefs. Flynn's attorney, Sidney Powell, responding quickly, writing this. The proposed amicus brief has no place in this court. Continuing, no further delay should be tolerated or any further expense caused to him in his defense. Fox's Griff Jenkins, the Justice Department, cited FBI tactics leading up to Flynn pleading guilty to lying. Former President Obama says letting Flynn go will put the rule of law at risk. House Democrats are ready with a new plan to stimulate a corona-battered economy. Fox's Rachel Sutherland has more live. Dave, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi laid out a massive, more than $3 trillion coronavirus stimulus bill that sets aside a trillion dollars for state, local, and tribal governments. Not acting is the most expensive course. Republican Senator Mike Rounds prefers a wait-and-see approach. We've got over $2 trillion out there right now. Let's find out what's working and what's not. The HEROES Act also includes additional direct payments to Americans, capping at $6,000 per household, as well as extending expanded unemployment insurance. There's also money for half hazard pay for essential workers and subsidies for rent and mortgage payments. Dave? 
Rachel, Republican Tom Tiffany won a special congressional election in Wisconsin. Republican Mike Garcia leads in an election in California. America's listening to Fox News. Right now, the world feels different as we stay apart to make sure we can safely come back together. Till then, there is something you can do without even leaving your home. Respond to the 2020 census online, by phone, or by mail. The census impacts where hundreds of billions in federal funding will go for things like hospitals, schools, and roads. Now is the time to go to 2020census.gov. It's as easy as it is important. Shape your future. Start here at 2020census.gov. Paid for by U.S. Census Bureau. Pros. Lowe's wants to help you keep working. That's why we're open for pro business hours 6 to 7 a.m. Monday through Saturday. You'll find the quantities you expect with dedicated pro associates and loaders to help you get what you need fast and load you up curbside. Now, more than ever, we know you need to win every single bid. You can count on Lowe's for special values on pro-trusted brands and savings when you buy in bulk. Save yourself a trip by shopping Lowe'sforpros.com, where we can ship thousands of items to your doorstep or to the job site. Lowe's is open and pro-ready. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 Weather from Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero. Another day of bright sunshine and bone-dry weather conditions for South Jersey. It will be cool, though, with a high of only 62 degrees, but the wind has died down considerably, so it'll feel less blustery than yesterday. One more chilly night tonight, clear and calm, low of 42, and then tomorrow, getting warmer, high of 64, as we go from sun to clouds with a chance of an evening rain shower. Friday, nice and toasty warm with a high of 80. It will be windy, though, with sun and clouds, and watch for a line of showers and thunderstorms late day on Friday. I'm Chief Meteorologist. Dan Zero on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thanks very much. We have the next 50, actually 16 minutes uninterrupted with candidate Rick Maida. Really good guy. We had a wonderful visit in studio with Rick a few months ago. Uh, I haven't seen anything change the trajectory where Rick is not the favorite. Uh, in the race for the uh, Republican nomination to then have the privilege to take on incumbent United States Senator Cory Booker, Republican candidate for the United States Senate for New Jersey, Rick Maida joins the program. Rick, welcome back. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Harry. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure. So since we were last together, and it's been a little while, how have things been going? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been great. I, I feel blessed, you know, for my primary. Now, you know, our primary was actually pushed back to July 7th. Correct. And since we finished the county conventions, uh, my campaign has done incredibly well. We have overwhelming support across the state from South Jersey to North Jersey. And more than 82% of Republicans live in the counties that have endorsed me and support me. Uh, but more importantly, I'm proud my name's going to be on the top of the ticket with President Donald Trump and the majority of New Jersey. Uh, and we're building a Republican resurgence back in New Jersey, and Donald Trump's going to win. Now I'm going to win, and we're going to get Cory Booker out of office. Yeah, the last, um, how do you go back, I mean, you talk about last Senate, the last senator elected as a Republican goes way back, 45, getting, I guess, like 50 years. The last Republican to win New Jersey as a president is George H.W. Bush. It's been a long time. But hey, look, California 25th, 
Garcia, uh, they still have to count some more votes, but it looks like he's got it. Uh, that's going to be the first Republican since 1988 to win the 25th congressional district seat in uh, California. That is a, a, a solid, typically Democrat seat. You just never know in this kind of thing. But of course, you have to get through July 7th first to then be on the ballot to take on the incumbent Cory Booker. And we'll talk about him in, in just a little bit. I want to ask you in terms of, because now all the different processes are over, out of the 21 counties, how many endorsements did you wind up with? Yeah, thanks, Harry, for that question. I got to tell you, we're making history. So you really never know what's going to happen. And to be honest with you, 50 years in the history of our state, that's nothing. It's a blip in the radar and it's time for a big change. And so out of the 21 counties, I've won 17 counties, which is a historical first as well. Uh, so we're very excited about the uh, campaign we're building, the momentum we're building. And I think, look, I, a lot of it has to do with the referendum um, on the governor, referendum on Cory Booker being an absentee senator. Uh, you know, people want change. They want authentic leadership. And out of the candidates in the primary, they see me as the front runner because they see that I have authentic leadership, the guy that's fighting to bring family values, economic recovery, growth and advancement back to New Jersey. They see that I'm not I'm a political outsider um, and they don't want, you know, some of the political insiders anymore. They want someone who has fresh thinking, bold ideas. Um, and that's going to come in and make a splash and make a change for the betterment of New Jersey. So how many out of 21 did you get? I know you said 82% of all the voters are from or have made a on, on column A, you know, underneath President Trump. And you'll be right underneath President Trump. Out of 21 counties, how many did you get? 17. That's pretty, uh, pretty dominant. Very, very close in Atlantic. We followed that closely. Very, very close here. Uh, Frank Formica was very helpful to... Uh, her sing. He, he didn't want to advertise that, but uh, he was probably the difference maker in putting Hersh over the top. Atlanta County was very, very close. Yeah, yeah, it was. And look, it, all of the counties, um, and, and just four out of the four counties that I lost, they were all very split and, and very close. And so, look, I have a lot of respect for Atlanta County um, and the other three counties as well, but we're focused on the bigger picture. We're focused on winning New Jersey getting our economy kick-started again, and making sure that South Jersey has the proper representation. And so my 17-county endorsement spans from all the way to South, from South Jersey all the way to North Jersey and across. And so a couple of insider politics. Hirsch is a local guy, you know. A couple of guys helped him out. His father's very influential down there, and so yeah. be it, you know. His father's, really, his father's a very just beautiful, delightful man. And as I say, Frank Formica, the consultant, uh, was very, very instrumental, creepy guy. Um, Rick, let me uh, ask you the following. When you look at um, New Jersey, people just think, just knee-jerk, blindly, that it's dark blue, it's impossible. But, of course, Governor Christie won twice. Christie Whitman won. I think she won twice. She left before the second term was over to become secretary uh, under President George W. Bush. But she won twice. Uh, Governor Kane won twice. Governors have been able to do it at large. What is it about this? I wrote a whole column about this a number of years ago and delved into why don't Republicans win statewide. Now, I, I have a theory that the government closest to the people, people pay more attention to. So who your governor is, because think about it. We don't really think of Menendez and Cory Booker, and I like them both personally, uh, I don't like it when people don't want the job they have 
and you're going to be running if you win this thing on July on July seventh, Rick. You're going to be running against a guy who didn't even want it, want the job. Think about that. He was running for another job that did that didn't go very well. But what is it about that governors can win as Republicans? It almost seems to rotate every other time for thirty years, but something like fifty years since a Republican won a U.S. Senate seat from New Jersey. I I, I study this stuff almost like a scientist, Rick, and some of that is confounding to me. I mean, over the years, there's been some great candidates. Uh, Senator Kane, son of the governor, came very, very close, and, and there's been some excellent candidates. Bobby Franks was a great candidate. Bill Gormley would have been a great candidate. He narrowly lost the uh, the nomination. He would have been a great statewide candidate. What is it about that question that I think it's a fair question. I think it's a relevant question. What is it about that Democrats have been dominating the U.S. Senate seats from New Jersey? Well, I, there's two things that I'll say to that. And uh, first, they haven't had Rick Maida. Uh But moving past that, I think people forget that our senators represent the entire state, not just North Jersey and not just Newark. And so, you know, if you remember 1990, Christy Whitman ran a very, very strong U.S. Senate um, uh, rate campaign against the incumbent Bill Bradley and came when she opened up. She was down by 48 points in the polls. Um, and while she lost, I think she only lost by maybe less than four points. And so there is a lot of plausibility for a Senate seat. And in this particular case, look, Cory Booker, everyone now knows he represents all of New Jersey. And so South Jersey is going to be out there. We've never had this kind of excitement uh, for a president, especially down in South Jersey and Atlantic, Cape, Cumberland, uh, Ocean, and those counties down there where we're going to have Donald Trump coming out uh, and he's going to be drawing voters to it. And so, you know, I think people are now beginning to realize that if they can make they can be the change they want to see in this race. And so we're going to have a very different uh, referendum against the failed policies. And I think South Jersey if they come out to vote, it's going to be an incredible resurgence uh, for us, for our Republican Party. If you win the primary, and a lot of people think you are going to win the primary, so we'll just say when you win the primary and you're the Republican nominee, Cory Booker running for president and not really wanting the job he has, I think it's evident if he won the job he had, he wouldn't have run for a job he doesn't have. Is that a major issue for you, or do, do they just get away with that? And it's like a free thing. You ran, you lost, but ha, 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 look, I'm running for this again. And remember, they actually changed the law in New Jersey for Cory Booker because before this, you weren't allowed to run for president and senator at the same time. Uh, so it's the Cory Booker rule. I, I think it's, it's, it's rotten to do that. I think you, I know Lloyd Benson did it in Texas, uh, when he was a VP candidate, but I don't like that. You, you, you either, Leave the job you have if you want to get a promotion and run for something else or run for the job you have and show your state you want to keep that job. What are your thoughts about that? Well, absolutely. I mean, he has been disingenuous on anything that he touches and talks about, right? The fact is, the fact of the matter is how many of us um, – just regular average people can actually be interviewing for other jobs and your boss finds out and you're going to get to be able to keep your job. That That's in, incredulous. And I think Cory Booker, uh, look, he has been a showboater and a fake from the beginning. And I think that people are realizing that this referendum in, in November of 2020 is on Murphy and Booker. You know, this is not just Booker, but they're partners. You know, there's a reason why 
South Jersey continues to be neglected and why we don't have a county by county approach to getting our economy kickstarted again uh, at, during this coronavirus. You know, there's a reason. And that's because Booker and Murphy continue to press policies that favor their constituents, that favor Democrats, that favor North Jersey. Uh, and they continue. I'm telling you, you know, it, you can't have a job and, you know, to get your next job it just means that his heart is not in it he hasn't been in it and you know you remember harry he's the biggest absentee senator that we have he's missed more than 65 percent of the votes and that's more than not just any senator but any congressperson up there too so already he knows his head is not in it and what's the first thing that he does to introduce his legislation amongst all of this uh, coronavirus uh, going on and, and people losing their jobs and and getting sick and not knowing what's next he introduces legislation to fund the World Health Organization, of which we know they failed us and they failed their policies. He couldn't, he couldn't grab money for four of the counties, including Salem County and three of the other counties that have been hit with the coronavirus uh, under the first stimulus plan. And then he introduces legislation to stop factory farming, which is going to crush additional jobs. So he's a job crusher. He wants, the last 20 years, you know, since he's been in the Senate in the last six years, more than double the number of uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing plants have opened up in China and have left New Jersey under his watch. He's responsible for the jobs that we've lost. I think people are beginning to realize that. We're visiting with Rick Maida. We've got about five minutes. Then we have the mayor of Atlantic City, Marty Small, joining us. We're going to talk about yesterday's first ever all-vote-by-mail election in Atlantic City. And when all the votes are counted, uh, we have forecasted that the no-vote to, in other words, to keep the form of government the way that it is, will prevail by about a four-to-one margin. So clearly, and Bob McDevitt was a gentleman about it all, clearly the voters have spoken on that. We continue with Rick Maida. Rick, I've never heard in my 28-year career plus of somebody being in the regular Republican line in 17 of 21 counties and not winning statewide, not winning the Republican primary, uh, not not to jinx you or anything, but are you expecting that you will be the nominee? Yeah, we're going to make it another uh, another twenty nine years for you, Harry. There's there not you uh, look. We've built a big ground game, and I'll tell you, it's also uh, fundraising too, right? I have the most cash on hand among any of the other, you know, the other four candidates that are in the race. Um, you know, they get to share eighteen percent, while I get to own eighty two percent. Uh, but, you know, one of the other important things for me, it's, it's not just about being the top of the ticket for my campaign, but it's also helping down ballot candidates. You know, I'm really excited about the candidates that are running down in Atlantic County for Freeholder, uh, Surrogate and others. And, you know, as we all work together, it's more than just, you know, winning my campaign. It's about building a Republican base um, and taking back the seat so that we can get just reasonable and family values back into our legislative process you know and that starts as a partnership between federal races and state races so i'm really hey rick i'm only interrupting because i want to um just just buy everything that you just sold there with donald trump on the top of the ticket at atlanta county you would be next my great friend congressman van drew would be right below you we have a tremendous county ticket this year john risley who you know uh, actually, before John would be the surrogate, Jim Curcio, who I recently wrote uh, on a post on uh, Facebook that came to my attention, that Jim Curcio is the finest surrogate in the state. Phenomenal, 
better person even, but a phenomenal public servant. He's going to have a great victory. Then you have Risley and Toto. Your ticket will be exceptional here on the Atlanta County ballot. I couldn't be more excited. These gentlemen are some of the best uh, uh, human beings I've, I've had the you know, fortunate uh, to come across. The let, me, let me add one more. Uh, Tokyo Joe O'Donohue. Joe O'Donohue running for sheriff has been working incredibly hard and would be an absolute upgrade uh, big time uh, if he can prevail. So, yeah, you would be part of a very special, a very, very good ticket. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, one the common thing that we all have, hard work, humble beginnings, and family values. Absolutely. Know? Rick, closing comment. We've got about a minute and a half. Look, uh, Rick Maida, running for United States Senate. Harry, really appreciate you having me. Uh, look for my name on the ticket. We're building a huge ground game all throughout New Jersey. Follow us along on Facebook. Go to our website, rickforenj.com. And we're going to have a very exciting year. I know times are tough right now with the coronavirus and things are a little bit unstable. But I'll tell you, if we want economic recovery, we want to protect and support and grow our economy, our small businesses, our mom and pop stores, one of which I've grown up through. Uh, we need strong leadership. Now is the time to vote for Rick Meta and the entire Republican resurgence that's coming to save our state. And, Rick, there's about seven weeks before the primary, at least. So we, we'll, we'll meet again uh, Appreciate the opportunity to present you once more. It's the second time that we've had the privilege, the pleasure to, to uh, visit with you on the program. And uh, continued good success. Most importantly, stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you. You as well. Keep in touch. Thank you, Rick. Rick Maida, Republican candidate for the United States Senate. And when you hear me say he's the front runner, I mean, I dispassionately look at these things. Rick Maida is going to be in column A in 17 of 21 counties. Had he pulled off Atlanta County, that would have been amazing because he would have actually won it over somebody from the from the county. Uh, and he almost did with, without Frank Formica um, calling everybody in Atlanta County uh, as the consultant uh, to, to vote for her sing. Rick Maida would have pulled it off. So. Uh, that's how that went down. It's not been publicized much, but that's the truth. Uh, please, Frank, don't deny it. We'll uh, be back. The mayor of Atlantic City, Marty Small, joins us next. It's early in the morning. Yes, the, the consultant. The consultant freeholder. The consultant. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. The call. Hi, it's Mark Lee and Van Camp. Join us later today at 1. Now back to Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Thank you. 23 minutes past the hour. Uh, the mayor of Atlantic City, Marty Small, is here uh, and clearly, I mean, deserves to take a victory lap. Let me share something because... I haven't seen anything like this in a long time. And everybody out there knows that Bob McDevin and I were lifelong friends. Uh, nothing changes with respect to that. But I was so pleased to see, and, and he sent it out right after the election. He didn't even wait for the additional 2,000, because remember, there's like 1,800, but then there's ones that are postmarked that they're going to receive, and so they disinfect the ballots, and then the next day they'll open them. So it's probably Friday-ish, and then we'll know exactly what happened here. However, 
it was over. It was over before I posted my breaking news report hashtag Ready Set Steal uh, on my social media page. It was over, and Bob knew it was over. But there are many elections where people know it's over, and they never congratulate the, the winning side. They never concede, and I'm just not a fan of that. This was the immediate statement by Unite Here Local 54 President Bob McDevitt on the Atlantic City referendum ballot question. After the first night of counting the ballots, it is clear that the referendum to change the government structure in Atlantic City will be defeated by a wide margin, even though counting continues. We congratulate the opposition to the question and thereby concede defeat. Ladies and gentlemen, tell me the last time you heard anybody concede defeat. The citizens of Atlantic City have spoken, and the Atlantic City residents for good government respect their choice. There are many challenges ahead for Atlantic City as we begin to reopen business on the heels of the devastating pandemic. We wish the elected officials well in their struggles ahead and offer a heartfelt thanks to all our supporters who worked so tirelessly on behalf of our cause. The people have rejected change, and we accept without qualification their decision. I can't begin to tell you the last time I've heard unambiguous concession and class like that. So that's a good place to begin the interview. Uh, Mr. Mayor, welcome to Hurley in the Morning, sir. And you're aware of the uh, Local 54 President's statement, correct? Yes, and uh, good morning, Harry, and good morning to your listening audience. And that was a classy statement by Bob McDevitt. Well said. So if you go, you didn't have to because you were on top of this, but to our listeners, if you go to my Facebook page, you will see the exact vote total that exists at this time. But keep in mind, there are upwards to around, I've heard between 1,800 to over 2,000 votes that will still be counted. Uh, they're going to they're going to trend exactly as the um, the earlier votes did. And in fact, they might even be a little bit more in favor of the vote no team. So at the end of this, Mayor Small, my expectation is that this could hit, it's going to be over three to one, but it could be a four to one mandate. What are your thoughts about what the voters in Atlantic City did yesterday? Uh, once again, um, I've never been more prouded in my city. Um, to, to to live with this, you know, for over a year, uh, to govern at the same time with this over your head, the amount of money, the amount of resources, the amount of power players that was behind this in front and behind the scenes. Um, I just knew in my heart of hearts that the people of Atlantic City, you know, weren't for sale. And I said that from day one. And I never wavered, no matter how much money they got, no matter the amount of mailers. And you just look, you could just tell in an election when there's no one of influence in your community that's really supporting this, and it's all out-of-town people. If you look at their petitions, um, they have people from Linden, Elizabeth, uh, Union, um, you know, you name it, uh, all North Jersey people for the uh, most part um, getting the signatures and just coming on the street. And, you know, we knew that we had the real people. And as I often say, and I said it in our television commercial, this is an election of uh, money power versus people power. And the people of Atlantic City stood tall. As you know, Harry, originally they wanted the election to be um, late January, early February. And their strategy was this. And I said the people from Atlantic City 
bring it on themselves when we don't come out in numbers to vote. They said, well, if they didn't come out during a hot day in June, they didn't come out on a mild day in November. There's no way that they're coming out in the dead of winter. And I just never seen in, in my time being in politics that people had so uh, so long to deal with one major issue. It's like the goalposts kept moving time and time and time again when, you know, it's like as a candidate, you got a timeline to turn in the petition. Then they go to a government that's 97 years old. So, I mean, in a slick way, they tried to pull a fast one. But, you know, once people knew what this was about, and I know that they had a victory parade um, when they got over 3,000 signatures, but we knew because we saw people on there. It's like, like, what are you doing? Oh, well, they told me this, that. And it happens like that in Atlantic City politics. In the 2019 primary, you had a candidate that had over 300 signatures uh, on his petition, but barely got over 100 votes at the polls. So we know signatures don't vote. And once we put the education on people and we told them what it was about, I mean, people were offended, like I said they were. So once again, kudos to the good people of Atlantic City. And you really made today a great day here in the city of Atlantic City. We're going to take our halftime break. We're coming back with the mayor of Atlantic City, Marty Small. Much more content to share. If you go to Harry Hurley, my social media, my Facebook page, you will see an actual copy of the initial vote totals with respect to the no and the yes. 3,275 have voted no. 985 have voted yes. But keep in mind, there are about... 2,000 more votes. Could even be a little bit more than that. It could be a little bit under. could be a little bit more. We don't know exactly how many people voted on Election Day itself. Any ballot that is postmarked by yesterday will count. And there is no question. When we broke this at 6.59 p.m. last night, and again, that would sound like it's before the polls closed, but of course the polls were open for days, should have been open for weeks, but the um, the process was very poorly handled at many levels where some people never received a ballot at all. Uh, some people had already voted, received a second ballot. That was wrong. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you have the process of what should have been having a ballot in your hands in a lengthy period of time, truncated to a very short period of time. Many people, because they mailed these ballots late and wrong, and then they send them to Belmar without enough postage. I mean, how that's... That's as dumb as dirt. And then it took from Monday and Tuesday when they went out, finally, which was about four to five days after the absolute deadline that was sent by the assignment judge, uh, Julio Mendez, who said that these ballots shall be mailed out no later than April 24th. Well, they didn't even go out until April 27th and April 28th in, in several batches. And then, of course, when they sent them to Belmar without the proper postage, some people never got them. Some people got them Thursday and Friday before the election. Truly disgraceful. And it disturbed both sides, really disturbed both sides. I think, ironically, the all-vote-by-mail the the all format, I believe, favored the no vote because the ballots were in hand, and that's a whole lot different than the time that it takes to make that happen if you had to do it the traditional way. So I didn't know until I could analyze what went down which way that would benefit because I, I used the expression 
23,000 voting machines were sent out right to people's front door if they got there. And how would that look? How would that how would that play out? Now, if we look at the totals, if we look at about 4,300 right now and we add 2,000 plus to that, if this is about 6,500 votes, that's a lot based on what would typically happen. Maybe it's average. 7,000 votes sounds kind of familiar to me that a mayor can win in Atlantic City with three to 4,000 votes. So sending all those ballots didn't really motivate like seventeen or 18,000 people that had the ballot didn't even cast the ballot. So that that's that's not a good thing. But the margin of victory is substantial. It'll be in the three and a half to one to four to one range. And we'll keep you posted with any developments as additional information becomes available. Listen here. Uh, read at WPGTalkRadio.com and also my Facebook page. Because as it always is the case with the breaking news, we have it first. And then other people just steal our work, and that's just that's just the way that it is. We continue with Mayor Small. Much more in just a few minutes. Sean Hannity. Media is what the media is what the media is, and that is they are abusively biased and they are corrupt. The Democratic Party is corrupt. That never-ending, nonstop, psychotic hatred of a president just goes on and on and on and on and on and they don't seem to care at all nor will they ever care sean hannity weekday afternoons at three on wpg talk radio 95.5 wpg talk radio 95.5 for complete contest rules visit wpgtalkradio.com it is 38 minutes past the hour. If you're just joining our program, we're visiting with Atlantic City Mayor Marty Small. We're talking about the uh, ballot question, the referendum question in Atlantic City that, had it been successful, would have changed the form of government in Atlantic City from the current mayor-council form of government to a council-manager form of government. Uh, it would have been five council members, all elected at large, and a, ma- uh, a manager that would have been selected, and the mayor, I uh, guesses picked from the uh almost like in the commission form of government they they pick the mayor you don't uh but instead by a wide margin the citizens of atlantic city uh chose the other approach to keep what they have and so that is that is there's no suspense there's no cliffhanger there's no hanging chads there's no anything it's it was it was over before seven o'clock last night uh we continue with mayor small one thing I have to note, and I, I don't want to unduly credit someone more than I should and discredit someone th- that I shouldn't, but I'll, I'll put you in a sort of a, a troika. Marty Small, George Tibbet, Craig Calloway, and I want to throw David in there and a lot of the other team members. Craig gets the um, the big headlines, but Craig will be the first one to tell you. I know he works very hard, but other members of his team work very, very hard as well. But if I just call it a troika, Marty Small, George Tibbet, Craig Calloway, that was a very powerful combination. Mr. Mayor, your thoughts? Yes. Um, look, it was extremely important, and 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 I agree with that statement. It was extremely important that for this, everyone rolled in the same uh, direction, because as you know, <clears throat> their their goal was to divide us. Um, they tried to pick off some of our supporters to weaken it 
And it goes to show that when everyone comes together for a common cause, um, we're unbeatable. When you have all political factions in Atlantic City, Republican, Democrat, you have the mayor of Atlantic City, you have all nine council people, you had the Atlantic City Civic Associations uh, United. You had social organizations like the NAACP. You had the Atlantic City Fellowship of Churches in vicinity. You had the Atlantic City Democratic Party, the Atlantic City uh, Republican Party, and, you know, everyone supporting the same cause. And as I stated in my commercial, you know, and they didn't even win a district, let it on a ward. And, you know, you had people from Maine to Jackson, in every neighborhood in between, all supporting this. Mayor, what do you attribute the broad base of support uh, that this was so overwhelming, the decision? You said what can I contribute to? Yeah, uh, what do you attribute the, the how wide uh, a margin this was throughout the entire city? Well, well you know, once we educated the entire city, uh, things change. As I, like I said, when they got 3,000 signatures, they thought that that would translate into 3,000 votes. But we know Atlantic City. And for them to have $509,000 and not put any bodies on the street was a monumental mistake. And then they sent out mailers that didn't mean anything. I mean, you know, the only person that they had with name recognition was Don Guardian, and that wasn't going anywhere. Um, then they started putting fictitious people on mailers um, to say how bad Atlantic City is. And they never presented a plan or a platform. And like I told people, I said the difference, you know, when I started breaking that part down, if you want voters to make such a draconian change, you have to present something to the alternative. Good, bad, and different whether, you know, people wanted to embrace my plan and agenda. I presented that in front of 1,200 people and up and down the state of New Jersey and regionally what my goals were for Atlantic City for 2020. And we've executed the plan. So to come in to make a change like that without providing substance, and all they said every single time, Harry, they use mathematics. They said, well, you have a mayor and nine council members. That's 10 people. Um, we want to change it to five. So 10 minus five equals five, and we're going to divide that by change. That was their message. They never said what change was, and they just took for granted that they had the money and they had powerful people behind. Listen, we went up against some powerful forces that were out front and a lot of powerful people hurried that hit behind the scenes and contributed. And and that's OK. You know, like that's that that was their choice. And, you know, that's on their conscience and people who have historically been behind some of the members on council and myself and people that played both sides of the fence, people that told you, well, look, we only giving money. We, um, we're really with you. And then you look at the report, they in for 50 grand. I don't understand it, but a lot of people drank the Kool-Aid, but however, that's yesterday's news. You know, I've been governing through this, you know, we're going to focus on um, getting Atlantic city open as soon as possible, but we're going to do it in a safe way. We're going to be guided not on feelings and emotions. We're going to be guided by the subject matter experts and the data. And no matter how much pressure it is to open up something, we're not going to do it unless it's absolutely absolutely right. Because I'm not going to have that um, disaster on my watch. It's about what's conducive to good public health and safety. 
What are your thoughts uh, relative to you go from this election where you and George and Craig all on the same team, you have a great victory, and now in seven weeks, uh, I think it's fair to say, as far as I know, unless you correct me, Craig is not with you in the next election, which is for your seat uh, in terms of uh, running for the Democratic nomination for mayor. Uh, what are your thoughts about pivoting from this great victory to the primary? Hey, when I took the oath of office back in October, I knew that I had to run the proverbial table and win five elections, win the change of government, win the primary and the general, and then next year, when the term resets for four years, win that primary and general. And listen, I've been an athlete my whole life. I love the competitive nature of politics. And there's a schedule, and the schedule is July 7th. And like I said, I haven't made a, quote, formal announcement, but I will real soon, and we'll roll out our campaign, and we'll show why not only didn't the voters need to change the form of government, the voters doesn't need to change the leadership in the mayor's office. You know, I, I said it in a television commercial, you know, in a crisis, there's no need to change the form of government. In a crisis, there's no need to change leadership in the mayor's office. All right, what people really need to understand, I inherited a city in crisis a short seven months ago. And pre-coronavirus, you know, we got some things done. During the pandemic, you know, I've more than delivered things that we talked about on this show all the time. And all of our plans, the pause button is pushed because of the pandemic. But the beautiful thing about it, we had the playbook already set up. So once this is over, we'll start, you know, unveiling more stuff that, you know, we started, which was a lot in a short amount of time. And listen, anybody can run for public office. That's why, you know, that's, that's the way the system is set up. But I'm going to show clearly <clears throat> that I'm more qualified than the two people that are running against me. And I have more experience than the two people run, are running against me. And I'm more accomplished than the two people running against me. And we'll break all of that down at the appropriate time. Right now, this is about the good people of Atlantic City. Um, and <clears throat> listen, it's an election. And I know, and we will work very hard and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the county chair is going to decide, but you know me, Harry, I'm locked and loaded and I'm ready to go. Yeah. You've run off the line and you came very, very close. You won at the polls. You lost on the, uh, the vote by mail and you've run on the line. Uh, so you have done it both ways. Uh, my dear friend, Mayor Langford ran on the line. Most of the time he ran off the line. And when he ran off the line, George Tibbet and Mo Delgado, and I always for some reason forget the third, you would know it, but I have your mic down because we're going to go to the final break when we come back, closing segment with Mayor Small, because I have two follow-up questions. A listener wrote me, uh, what is Marty's plan B if he loses in the primary? So I had to um, to let this person know that there there is no plan B in the state of New Jersey, there is a sore loser rule. If you run in the primary and you lose, there is no plan B. You, um, you're out. You can't run. By law, you cannot run in the general election. We're going to talk about the primary election uh, a little bit more and a few other things as we continue with Atlantic City Mayor Marty Small with yours truly. 
early in the morning. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and WPGTalkRadio.com. Ready. 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, WPGG Atlantic City, WENJ 97.3, HD3 Millville. Thank you. Welcome back. 52 minutes past the hour. Atlantic City Mayor Marty Small is our guest for the remainder of today's program. This Friday from 730 to 830, we will visit with Atlantic City Council President George Tibbet, who uh, may be making a consequential announcement in a early in the morning exclusive this Friday uh, sometime between 7.30 and 8.30, we landed an interview that my brother actually uh, achieved for us with a an incredible young woman. And the reason I'm saying young woman is the group America, which I have to say is one of my absolute favorite groups of all musical groups of all time. Jerry Beckley, Dewey Bunnell, there was a third member uh, early on. But these guys have been rocking for 50 years, and they've never green-lighted a book for anyone in their entire history until this young woman. The foreword of the book is by the actor Billy Bob Thornton. I've read a bit of it. I'm going to read more of it. I won't finish the book by Friday, but I'll read a lot of it. Don is helping me with um, questions and content and things like that. But there has to be something exceptional about this young woman because many people have pitched the idea of a book about the band, the group America, and it's gone nowhere. Uh, I would say in the pantheon of my favorite groups, the um, Chicago is one, the Beatles two, America three. And there's a lot of America that I even like better than some of the Beatles stuff. So it's really close. Anyhow, I'm very excited about it. Um, this author will be our guest. And it's on the day of her book launch. And we have the first interview in America, pun intended, for the author of the America uh, biography. It's, it's really, and it's with the full cooperation of Jerry Beckley and Dewey Bunnell. So you know it's going to be a fabulous piece of work. All right, right before the break, Mr. Mayor, I mentioned the fact to a listener about the sore loser rule. So I know you, you're not going to run in some general election, zombie, uh, independent, or something like that. You're running for the Democratic nomination for mayor of Atlantic City. So this is, it's all, all or nothing. You either win and you're the nominee or you're out because the sore loser rule says you can't run even if you wanted to try to run off the line in an independent slot on the ballot. What are your thoughts about whether you're on the line if Chairman Suleiman puts you there or if you're off the line? Um, All right, uh, first and foremost, um, there is no plan B for me. Um, You know, my, my my objective is to run in the July primary and win and uh i believe that the people of atlantic city will see that i'm doing a good enough job to serve the remaining year of uh, mayor gilliam's term which next year will reset it and will be for the full four-year term i also believe in my heart of hearts that if i fumbled the ball when i came in office that you know the election could have been a lot closer or maybe went the other way um, I've stabilized the mayor's office. I've stabilized government. And as I stated, at the appropriate time, we're going to 
you know, show why, you know, we should stay in the seat. Furthermore, um, your other question was regarding uh, the line. Yes. Uh, I didn't like the process that the Democratic Committee went through. Um, Listen, all things being honest, I would have lost anyway. This isn't about uh, performance, uh, policy. This is all about personality um, because she has more friends in the Democratic Committee than I do. I mean, other than that, what city in America would take an incumbent off the line, even though that, you know, I was selected by the committee, but you can't ignore the fact that I've been a 16-year incumbent in Atlantic City government, not even counting a year and a half that I spent on the Atlantic City Board of Education to someone who hasn't shown the ability to accomplish anything. And we'll break down, um, you know, their, their, their talking points and what they say they've done and, you know, what are they doing professionally. And it's going to be crystal clear, Harry. And we're hoping that Mike Suleiman, um, the county chairman, who has the ultimate say, and he said that he would decide shortly after the election. And I believe if Atlantic City is as important as they say it is, now isn't time to change the shit. I mean, we've done a good. I mean, we've been doing a great job. And furthermore, before um, COVID nineteen, we were prepared to deliver the good people of Atlantic City a, a tax decrease. So listen, people want to see it. As I stated, um, only in Atlantic City would would this happen. Someone who hasn't accomplished anything, hasn't even been elected to anything, uh, you know, get get an endorsement. Uh, of that nature over an incumbent who uh, who has steadied the ship in City Hall. And listen, on or off the line, we're going to be successful. I'll be a hypocrite if I say that I didn't want the line. So it's, it's in Mike Suleiman's hands, and, you know, this is about doing the right thing and uh, doing what's right for the city of Atlantic City and what's best for the party is clearly me. And as I stated, you know, the, uh, the people that are running against me, and there's two of them, you know, they're not known in this community at all. Um, you know, show me something of significance that they worked on in the community. Show me something of significance that they've done for people in the community. Mayor, Mayor, uh, not interrupting, but I want to get this in and then still have some time to cover a few more things. Mayor Marty Smalls, our guest, Atlantic City WPG, the world's playground, the mayor. Uh, I know Suleiman a little bit. I don't know him well. I think he is capable of saying, hey, look, you guys did the vote, and I always respect that, and I've always honored it. This guy is the mayor, and he was very, you know, uh, impactful in the in the ballot question. He said, Suleiman said he would wait. We read his letter two weeks ago, whenever it was, mayor, on air. He said he would wait for that. It made sense. Wait for the question, because if this question went the other way, then it's moot because there would be a whole election for five councilmen. So the election's now over, and, and, and it was a rout, and so now he's going to have to make a decision because obviously July 7 is going to be here, and there has to be time to print the ballots and all of that. Uh, how do you like your chances of Suleiman going against the Atlantic City Democratic Committee vote and picking you? Well, I'm going to just say this. There's been times before where um, they've went against the incumbents. And incumbents, uh, meaning incumbent that only ran one term. There's been a couple of times. 
Now, Langford was the mayor when he ran offline, correct? Yeah, 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 they did. They went against a two-term right. so councilman incumbent. They gave um, Kaleem Shabazz the line over Steve Moore. Okay. Um, they gave uh, Muhammad Zia the line over uh, Jimmy Chang. So there's been instances where um, it happened. And like I said, you know, now is not the time to change the government in the middle of a crisis, and it's not time to change leadership in the mayor's office. So, so do you like your chances of Suleiman picking you? I like my chances. How difficult? Like how difficult is this election if you're not in column A and you have Craig Calloway working for your opponent with vote by mail? How does that? How does that equate? Hey, hey, hey Harry, look, we know we know what we're getting into. Um, you know, we've been successful, uh, you know, against that machine in the past, and we plan to be successful uh, now. I mean, listen, we we listen. It's lace them up time. Check ball. Let's have at it. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like, let's be honest. You know, take the personalities out, take the opinions out. If you put up what I've done and accomplished in my co my political career in the community and you put their accomplishments, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, it's not even close. Regardless of what they want to portray, what they want to say, I mean, Harry, it, it, this is about what's best for Atlantic City, and I'm clearly what's best for Atlantic City. Here's how I, I size this up. I don't even know the third person. I probably do, but I couldn't even recite who the third person is. So it's going to come down to you or Pam Fields. How would you describe the difference between her level of experience and your level of experience? And, and Harry, as I stated on your show, um, she says that she has 25 years of economic development experience. What has she developed economically? She says that, uh, you know, she ran Main Street. Main Street collapsed, you know, under her watch. Um, she says that she's a professor. She's an adjunct professor. Harry, it's levels to being a professor, and that's based on the amount of research that you do. You have associate professors and you have professors. She should be commended for being an adjunct. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, I'm eligible to be an adjunct. All I have to do is just find whatever subject that I want to, you know, teach or a specific class and pitch it to said university, and I can be an adjunct. But that's not the route that I choose, uh, you know, choose at this time. I have a master's degree in educational leadership. I'm eligible for a whole bunch of positions. But, you know, my, my, my focus and attention is here in the city of Atlantic City. So when you want to tout your accomplishments, have some substance with it. Okay, well, I was here, and this is what we accomplished under my watch. Don't say that you ran a youth program when the only thing you did was place youth in jobs. I did that when I was 19. So, listen, it's, it's, it's crystal clear um, you know, we're going to campaign on the facts, and the facts speak loud and clear. And then, you know, they wanted, when, when they put out the press release about she's the voice of our community, I, I just don't know what community that they're talking about because she's not active in this community. You want to talk about Democratic committee? Did, I, let me ask you about that because I, I, I had not heard that before now. Did it say she is a voice for the community or the voice? Uh, 
the voice. Well, I, I'm just going to reject that. I'm, I'm not trying to get involved, but that's that's ridiculous to say that that actually is intellectually dishonest. The voice of Atlantic City really is the mayor. If you want to say the council president is also a voice, the voice, the council president, you've had that role as well. You could say in the legislative branch, Councilman Tibbet is the voice. The school board president, John Devlin, is the voice for the Board of Education. Um, no disrespect intended, but that's not that's just not fair. That's not accurate. That's 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 not even serious. That that's 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 silly silly talk. So I I, I, I don't even I don't even, I don't even like hearing that because it, it's so unserious. In the minute and a half that we have, Mayor, Governor Murphy is going to decide in the very near future, because obviously he must, because these ballots have to to be printed and and such. Do you prefer an all-vote-by-mail election like we just had, or would you prefer to see the vote-by-mail to the extent that people want to partake, and then the machines uh, being utilized in a traditional election? We're down to 45 seconds. Closing comment on that. Harry, if I had a choice, I'd rather have it be uh, a poll election so that way we can fully execute our ground operation. Um, However, whatever cars that we're dealt with um, will be prepared. Uh, You know, as I said, you know, things don't always go as people would like. No one could foresee coronavirus coming, so you have to pivot and call an audible at the line of scrimmage. And my organization and my supporters will be prepared either way, because as I stated, this, that that choice was not about performance. That choice was not about policy. That choice wasn't about whether I was doing a good job or not. Ten seconds. That choice was simply personal. And listen, I'm I'm, I'm hoping that Mike Suleiman uh, sees the big picture and uh, reward us for our hard work because we worked extremely hard. Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much. Privileged to have this hour. Katie Pavlich going to be joining us from Town Hall. Great mind, great political mind, especially, and you've watched her all over the channel. Elizabeth Lyons will be here. She's a country music star, an emerging talent. She's got a great song to inspire called Brave Enough. She'll tell us, bring us inside that, and we'll hear a little bit of it. And Congressman Andy Barr. Uh, will be with us in about 15 minutes out of Kentucky. He's on the financial services and banking uh, member, and he's going to have to vote on this horrific $3 trillion Nancy Pelosi debacle on how to keep America flat on their back, not working, cashing checks with no money in the account. Uh, That's coming out, and I'll give you some details on that. Also, as we come to you live uh, from New York and heard around America, we are getting some openings this week from our governor and some benchmarks that I believe Long Island is set to achieve shortly. My hope is that this governor acts like the Colorado governor and looks to open things up, not keep it shut down. Uh, we'll talk about all that. And keep in mind, if you ever leave our local affiliate and you got to travel, go to radio.com, get the app, or BrianKilmeadeShow.com, you can get the podcast. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 
I'm not surprised to hear that Judge Sullivan wasn't prepared to accept what the department wanted to do. He was prepared, I think, to pronounce sentence. He didn't have much use for Michael Flynn, and basically he had suggested he mm -hmm. was a traitor at one point. Wow, Britt Hume let him have it. He's kind of uh, being low-balling this, but it was sensational. And what a setback for Flynn. While the truth about the Obama administration behind-the-scenes behavior reveals a nasty, reckless, possibly unconstitutional investigation into the Trump team, what we now know and we're about to know could shape the 2020 election. We'll look at Flynn and we'll look at the unmasking. Number two. Our caucus have agreed that everything is coronavirus-centric that relates to the virus. In terms of the House Phase 4 bill, it's got so much unrelated to coronavirus, it is dead on arrival here. Yup, spend, spend, spend. House Dems reveal that their real priorities are, as they unveil, the largest stimulus package that have a cost of $3 trillion, including billions for emergency items like arts, humanities, mail-in voting, and the post office. We'll tell you what the Republicans are going to say. Number one. This is not about politics. It's about us. So this created a false divide, sort of two wars in, the, in America, an us versus them war and an us versus the virus war. If we try to fight both of those wars, we're going to lose both of them. Taking politics out of the pandemic. Is that possible? Matthew McConaughey says there's no other way. Someone tell the governors as red states and blue states separate. Uh, the red states want to open. The blue states are perfectly happy, it seems, outside Colorado uh, to just shelter. And there are Republicans that are a little conservative, like what's happening in Ohio. But believe it or not, the governors that are opening up quick, like Brian Kemp, has approval ratings around 39%. Mike DeWine, uh, Governor DeWine, much higher. But here's what Matthew McConaughey said. He notices what we all notice, that politics is entering into this science conversation, into the economic conversation. Cut to. You know, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, uh, I could feel that this united purpose we all have as Americans to beat this enemy uh, and this virus, that purpose got hijacked a bit by partisan politics. And all of a sudden the narrative became, if you want to go to work, you're on the far right. If you don't, Want to go to work and you want to stay home? You're on the far left. And now even the mask wearing is getting politicized, where if you want to wear a mask, you wear a mask, you're a liberal. And if you don't, you're a conservative. And, and that's just not true. So this created a false divide, sort of two wars in, the, in, a, in America, an us versus them war and an us versus the virus war. And, you know, if we try to fight both of those wars, we're going to lose both of them. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but we are. And I can't believe it's entering into it. You know, the pandemic struck at an uh, inopportune time for everybody. No good time to get a pandemic, but especially in an election year where you have the press basically trying to diminish anything the President Trump does and try to get them debating about West Wing policy instead of talking about American policy. I could see in the furthermore or the page six section of a, of a Washington political newspaper where you talk about who's wearing a mask in the White House and whose chief of staff has been quarantined. But I can't believe that if you look at the, uh, the massive media in Washington, they all talk about the president's mask policy, who's positive, who's not positive. And I'm positive that most of the rest of the country is not worried about that. That's something everyone's got to decide on. It's pretty clear that in these blue states, they're not counting on their people to act responsibly. And look at Pennsylvania. Went to Trump last time. He'll be there tomorrow traveling. But their Democratic governor has shut down the whole state because of a few hotspots in their major city. And they are, Congressman Wolf, excuse me, the Governor Wolf, has said, if these counties defy me, I'm going to de deny them 
federal funding. I wouldn't be surprised if the president goes past the governor, if that's the case, and gets them the, uh, the, the funding directly. But Georgia has reopened, and so far, no noticeable change in daily cases. Now, if you look at the approval rating for Kemp, stunningly, even though he's given them their lives, their gyms, and their restaurants back, his approval rating is at 39%, contrasted with somebody like Mike DeWine, who's got 86% approval rating, who is going slow and a little bit unsteady towards reopening. Governor Cuomo, 86% of approval. Really? I guess you don't have any relatives, any nursing homes. I guess you don't look at the total number of cases. I guess you don't look at the total number of deaths. I guess you're not looking at the fact that he's changing the goalposts for reopening in the middle of the game while the ball is in the air. So some of these polls, and I know it's easy to diminish a poll when you don't like the results, but right now 68% of the country fear more that we're opening up too fast than too slow. I have not met many of those people, and I might be wrong, but I have not. Here's Governor Cuomo on his schedule, cut nine. Today, in many ways, uh, it's a new phase, if you will. May 15th is the end of the statewide closure. May 15th is the end of this week. Uh, and the question is now going to shift more towards localities and regions across the state to uh, make sure they're in a position to open and uh, the state will be working in coordination with them. But it's an exciting new phase. We're all anxious to get back to work. Yeah, and the pace in which he does it will prove to me, or it doesn't do, it will prove to me whether he was sincere or not when he said we got to keep politics out of this. And if it is going uh, a snail-like slow, knowing that the coffers are empty and he wants to make sure he gets a lot of direct grants from the federal government. If he opens up too slow and the, and the money starts coming in, maybe he won't get that grant. Or he wants to make sure New York doesn't turn around, the economy doesn't turn around for President Trump. Does partisan, partisan politics play a role? As Matthew McConaughey said to start this show, he, the, the actor said, we got to stop with the Republicans and Democrats, President good or bad, should not matter. But Senator Tim Scott, who has no problem reaching across the aisle, told me this this morning on Fox and Friends, Cut 17. I smell the stench of politics, partisan politics driving behavior for election results, not focusing on super sound science, as Dr. Scott Atlas said. Super sound science is where we should focus our attention. That leads us to the conclusion that if you don't have two underlying conditions, the chances are you're going to be okay. If you're under the age of 60, the chances are really high you're going to be okay. And in South Carolina, if you're under the age of 20, we've had not a single death. Right. The problem is, and I find this endlessly frustrating, and I'll take your calls and comments, one 408 is that you said to flatten the curve would lead us back to business. You gave us the PPP loans because in a short time you want us standing up our business again, and you wanted our workforce ready to go. Our work, we are running out of money for those small businesses. We're not going to have a gym in any city that's holding out because the math doesn't add up. Unless you're doing it for a tax shelter, you can't pay your rent, pay your people not to work, run out of money, and continue to think you're going to open up the doors when the state ends up standing up its economy. Here's what Tim Scott said. His frustration 
all feels he feels the same way. Cut 24. While I respect the need for caution, we are too often presented with a false dichotomy, either saving our economy or saving lives. We've seen the goalposts around flattening the curve move, and I think that's unfortunate. Because at the same time we're doing that, businesses have collapsed. Mental and physical health have declined. Depths of despair escalate. Education outcomes nosedive as we wait in our living room, praying for some good news around therapies and around vaccines. So Anthony Fauci and those talked, but keep in mind, as the analogy I used last hour, uh, when you're a baseball team, you have a pitching coach, keep the runs down, and you have a hitting coach to make sure the offense is up. Anthony Fauci is fine. You know, he seems a very conversational guy, extremely smart. Great. He's the pitching coach. I need an offense. I'm going to talk to the pitching coach but, because I want to win the game, but my offense is going to get me back in the game. So I need the offense. The offense is going to be, tell me how to open up that school, not it's too dangerous. Tell me how to open up that university, not it's too dangerous. Tell me how to get back in my building, not it's too dangerous. That's the offensive coach. And I want to refer to the pitching coach, Anthony Fauci, and the CDC Redfield as much as possible in order to find out how to disinfect that building, how to keep it disinfected, what type of products to use, how to set up my office space. But I also need the hitting coach to get me back in the game. So, so far, we have Congress writing a lot of checks as Band-Aids. I was stunned to see, but I shouldn't have been, that Nancy Pelosi in hibernation came back to work this week with a bill, with an invoice for $3.3 trillion. 3.3. What's in it? $916 billion for state and local aid, direct money to states, $10 billion for small business, $175 billion for health care, $175 billion for housing, $200 billion for a Heroes Fund. Oh, did I tell you included other things? $25 billion for the post office? Really? Uh, $20 million for arts and humanities? Yes, we need to paint and act. Yes, $50 billion is an emergency for college and universities? No, they're staying closed. Many of them are not putting the effort in. Explain to me why we got to bail out private universities, sometimes state universities. $3.6 billion for mail-in voting agenda item. one 866 I'll be able to take your calls, but next I'm going to talk to Congressman Andy Barr. Will he vote for a bill that includes that? Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. Brian Kilmeade. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. The last few months have taught us what's important in life. It also taught us what we need to eliminate or change. It's the same for business. What are the changes you need to make? Do you have a hairball of multiple software systems when you could streamline into one? All you need is NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. Finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce, everything you need all in one place so you can save time, you can save money and headaches. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite gives you visibility and control so you can manage every penny with precision. Join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to go faster with confidence. NetSuite surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America reopens for business. Receive your free guide, seven action businesses need to take right now, and schedule free product tour. A free product tour at netsuite.com slash Brian, that's B-R-I-A-N. Get your free guide and schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash Brian. netsuite.com slash Brian. We've had our lives flipped upside down recently, and for many of us, things just got a lot rougher. 
but we've faced tough times before, and we're going to pull through this because, well, that's what we do in America. At Term Provider, Big Lou has a message for you. If all this craziness has you protecting the ones you care about, don't let it stop when we get through this. Keep the protection rolling with a life insurance shield around your family. For over 30 years, Term Provider has been providing affordable term life insurance at better prices and with better service, including policies that don't need an in-home exam. As for Big Lou, he's just like you, spending time at home with his kids, too. No matter what your medical history, prostate cancer, heart conditions, high cholesterol, or if you're taking prescription medications, at Term Provider, we can help you find a million dollars or more of term life insurance at affordable rates to fit your budget. There's no obligation, so call now for your free quote. Call 800 800 511 That's 800 511 800 Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. But first. Most of us are not eating enough fruit and vegetables, and it might be putting us at higher risk for all kinds of medical ailments and viruses. Introducing Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Imagine a full serving of fruits and vegetables from the garden, packed with antioxidants and nutrients in an easy-to-drink powder. Use the code BILL to save 15% when you try Field of Greens. Visit BrickhouseBill.com. That's BrickhouseBill.com. Offer code BILL. On this Wednesday, I am thinking about a new survey from one poll that asked 2,000 Americans about getting old. The findings are that when you turn 57 years old, you are officially elderly. Now, I'm older than 57. I know, I know, that's shocking to some of you. If you turn on BillOReilly.com each evening and watch my television presentation it's it's a miracle but i am older than 57 years old and i think i'm still at the top of my game i write every word that you hear on tv and all my radio commentary including this one and i do the television program off the top of my head no script no teleprompter but here's the deal I challenge anyone in the television radio business to debate me. All right, you whippersnappers, come on in. We'll get a topic. We'll see. So the point is that you're not old at 57. If you keep yourself in good shape mentally and physically, and that takes work, you can ride it out for a long time and not be elderly, be very, very effective. It's inevitable that you'll decline but a lot of the decline is up to you. You're going to lose your hair, your looks, okay, but you can stay in shape. Now this. Protect yourself and your family with high-quality face masks from Boomer Naturals. They are lab-verified to give 92.2% antibacterial protection and are available in adult and child sizes. Boomer Natural Face Masks are made for use up to 30 days when you hand-wash them between uses. So please order your masks now at BoomerNaturals.com. Use code BILL20 at checkout to save 20%. Plus, you'll get free shipping on any order over $50. Use BILL20 at BoomerNaturals.com. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on.
Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me this afternoon at 3 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. What I'm proud of is what we are doing. Our caucus have agreed that everything is coronavirus-centric and also in a timely way that relates to the virus. It's too deadly to our lives, to our livelihood, to our democracy for us to use it for any other purpose. Yes, uh, that's why it's an emergency. We have to have cannabis. The cannabis business got to go and make sure they're up and running. Federally backed banks and insurers have to fund cannabis buildings. And we know that $25 million for uh, arts, and, uh, arts is definitely necessary. In a time of a pandemic, you want to be able to do plays. Uh, joining us now to make sense of the $3 trillion bill that's going to be voted on in the place he works, the House, this week, Congressman Andy Barr, Republican from Kentucky. Congressman, welcome back. Brian, good to be with you. How are you? Good. You're with financial services and banking. Can we afford to write $3 trillion on money we don't have? No, we cannot. And um, it gave me enough heartburn as it was to borrow $3 trillion for the first four phases of the response. Uh, I felt it uh, necessary, obviously, to keep many American small businesses uh, uh, in operation and to prevent their bankruptcy and to prevent the layoffs of millions of Americans. And, and that's why I voted for um, the, the Paycheck Protection Program and the Main Street Lending Program and yeah. to support the emergency lending from the Federal Reserve. But uh, this is outrageous, this wish list of partisan ideological and i would argue socialist ideas that pays people to not work and wastes uh hard-earned american tax dollars on uh on things that have absolutely nothing to do with fighting the coronavirus all right so we'll talk about that i got katie pavlich coming up 10 minutes we'll break down what'll happen the word is if they ask for three trillion they'll get one trillion but they also want to neuter the president's ability uh to fire inspector generals please tell me what that has to do with the pandemic uh let's pivot if we can to china for some reason the democrats look at our uh at the americans outrage on china as partisan you don't see it that way especially in light of the new reports the cia believes that china tried to stop the who and was successful obviously from sounding the alarm um uh, on this virus and it is human to human transfer while they piled up ppe and sucked it up like a vacuum cleaner around the world does that back up that you believe more than ever they are an enemy? Yes, uh, you described the facts correctly, and uh, uh, I am uh, I'm glad that um, Leader McCarthy and the House Republicans are focused like a laser on uh, China's role in the origins of the pandemic and also their malign cover-up, their uh, activities that, that led to the spread of this disease. One study says that if China had not censored uh, whistleblowers early on in the pandemic. If they had been forthcoming with the international community, that we could have reduced 95% of the world's cases of the coronavirus. We have over 80,000 Americans who have lost their lives tragically to this. Obviously, our economy has taken a huge hit. 
Uh, we're incurring trillions of dollars of additional debt. Um, you know, the American people deserve answers to this, and we need to hold China accountable. This should not be a partisan issue. It is regrettable that the Democrats continue to be obsessed with um, right. with partisanship and impeaching President Trump and these these endless investigations of of the president, as opposed to joining with. Uh, their fellow countrymen across the aisle and focus on the real adversary and the real threat, which is not President Trump. It's the, it's the Chinese Communist Party. Right. Uh, by the way, just the latest, uh, there's a legal scholar who on Saturday posted an open letter on WeChat addressing the National People's Congress. It's kind of like a rubber state legislature. Do is about to do to meet later this month to not only sharply criticizing the handling of the epidemic on his regime, they also criticized its leader. They called on the legislature to order the release of political prisoners, legalize political parties and not and non-state media. And guess what? He has disappeared. Yes, and, and and he's not the first to disappear. We know that there were citizen journalists in Wuhan, in the Hubei province, in December, who sounded the alarm, who were whistleblowers, and just like Dr. Uh, Li Wen Lang, um, they they uh, were either arrested or they. We know that they disappeared. Uh, Dr. Li, the case of Dr. Li is is very sinister. Uh, he w- he's a he was a young ophthalmologist. He was warning his fellow doctors in Wuhan. Uh, that there was a very contagious pathogen, uh, pneumonia-like virus that was going around the Wuhan hospitals. He, he warned his fellow physicians to don personal protective equipment and masks to protect themselves. Uh, he was arrested for sounding the alarm. He was forced to recant in writing by the authorities, by the communists, uh, with uh, the, the Chinese government. And, of course, we well, know that Dr. Lee later passed away. But this censorship... Uh, and the disappearance of whistleblowers is what allowed and enabled this virus to spread beyond the borders of China. And Congressman, good luck with this subcommittee. Make it effective. It's oversight investigation into China in particular. Uh, you're a member of the GOP China Task Force, so we'll look forward to talking to you again. Coming up next, Katie Pavlich. Brian Kilmeade, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Sean Hannity. Media is what the media is what the media is, and that is they are abusively biased and they are corrupt. The Democratic Party is corrupt. That never-ending, nonstop, psychotic hatred of a president just goes on and on and on and on and on, and they don't seem to care at all, nor will they ever care. Sean Hannity, weekday afternoons at 3 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. News. I'm Chris Foster. Concerns about the coronavirus outbreak has President Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, released from prison in Pennsylvania. His attorney says he'll be on home confinement, relieved to be back with his wife in Virginia. The 71-year-old was convicted in August 2018 of tax evasion, failure to report foreign bank accounts, engaging in unregistered lobbying for foreign entities, and witness tampering. He had not been due to leave prison until November 2024. Fox's John Decker. It looks like Republicans win two special elections for House seats, one in California is to replace Katie Hill. She resigned. Democrat Christy Smith looks to be losing to Republican Mike Garcia. Republican state legislator Tom Tiffany defeated Democratic law school professor Tricia Zunker in Wisconsin's 7th Congressional District. Fox's Jill Nato. 
America's listening to Fox News. In Wildwood, Ocean City, and other Jersey Shore towns, beachgoers will see social distancing ambassadors walking the boardwalk this summer to make sure everyone is following COVID-19 rules. The Cape May County Health Officer says the workers will be in special vests as they remind vacationers to wear masks and give everyone at least six feet of room. Governor Murphy says he expects beaches will be open for the Memorial Day weekend. It's unclear how many people will venture out of their homes and down to the Jersey Shore. Several South Jersey towns have so far avoided any cases of COVID-19. They include Washington Township in Burlington County, Cape May Point in Cape May County, and Pine Valley in Tavistock, both in Camden County. Meanwhile, health officials in Atlantic County say their latest coronavirus-related deaths include an 18-year-old from Mullica Township. She is said to have had underlying health conditions. State Health Commissioner Judith Persicelli is requiring all long-term care facilities in the state to implement testing of staff and residents for the virus by May 26. In addition, retesting will be needed to be done for those who test negative within three days to detect those with newly developed infections and further retesting in according with CDC guidance. Coronavirus testing will be offered at some CVS stores in New Jersey. Dozens of the stores will have swab and testing capabilities by the end of the month. CVS has not yet announced the locations for testing. In the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 Newsroom, I'm Kristen Marks. I'm Neil Cavuto, and this is the Fox Business Report. The head of the Fed is out with a warning of a possible sustained recession from the coronavirus pandemic. Jerome Powell urging Congress to act further to prevent long-lasting economic damage, saying in prepared remarks that avoidable household and business insolvencies can weigh on growth for years to come. Reuters is reporting that the top three U.S. airlines have told their flight attendants not to force passengers to comply with their new policy requiring face coverings, telling them to just encourage passengers to do so. According to employee policies reviewed by Reuters, American, Delta, and United have told employees they may deny boarding at the gate to anyone not wearing a face covering and are providing masks to passengers who don't have them. But once inside the plane, enforcement becomes more difficult. That's your Fox Business Report. I'm Lillian Wu, invested in you. Okay, you know how it feels when you've saved enough for that long-awaited home edition? Now imagine an edition on that edition. That's the feeling with Capital One, where a new savings account earns an interest rate five times the national average. That's right, five times, as represented by five times more singers. This is Banking Reimagined. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Rate comparison based on FDIC national rate. Capital One NA member FDIC. Just two days to go until the big warm-up arrives. Today will once again end up about 10 degrees below normal for mid-May with a high of 62. At least it will be sunny and dry with just a light breeze. Chilly tonight, clear and calm, low of 42. Then tomorrow, getting warmer, high of 64. We'll go from sun to clouds with a chance of a rain shower around tomorrow evening. Friday, warm and windy, high soars to 80. With a mix of sun and clouds, we'll have to watch out for a thunderstorm late day Friday. I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro on the Town Square, New Jersey Weather Network. Brian Kilmead, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. From his mouth.
off to your ears. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's so disappointing to look at what we're seeing from right-wing media these days where there's such an obsession with the deep state and these uh, revelations about the Russia probe and uh, the decision about Michael Flynn. They're treating the Michael Flynn story like it's a bigger deal than the deaths of 2,000 Americans a day. In what right mind is any scandal, any political scandal, any Department of Justice story more important to ask the president about than the pandemic that's raging? He's out of his mind. So when someone is there trying to infiltrate your administration before you actually take office and it's exposed and the Department of Justice exonerates, we thought, Michael Flynn, it's not a big story. And of course, Brian Stelter's commenting on that was with the first few questions we talked to the president about on Friday, uh, uh, last Friday, en route to a 45 minute interview where we covered the pandemic. Katie Pavlis joins us right now. She often agrees with Brian Stelter. I'm sorry, she never agrees with Brian Stelter. I read my what? notes wrong. She's with That's Town Hall and Fox News contributor. <laughs> what, what, I'm sorry, what is true? My, my notes are all screwed up. Did Brian Stelter make a lot of sense just now? <laughs> Um, no, it's it's almost like they're trying to cover for their years and years and years of peddling a false narrative because with the release of these, you know, new transcripts by the ODNI, it's very obvious that they were played. They used people like John Brennan and uh, people from the FBI who were who were fired, like Andrew McCabe, who was then under investigation for, for lying to investigators. They used what they were saying. As fact, do you remember all of the anonymous sourcing that we heard about and every single bombshell story was completely anonymously sourced? Well, it wasn't sourced based on documents. It was based on political operatives from the Obama administration who continued to carry over this narrative. And they just thought that they would never get caught because in Washington... Usually things don't change, and they underestimated the idea that President Trump would appoint someone like Rick Grinnell, who would go in there and say, no, 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 this is not going to be the status quo. There is going to be accountability for what happened, and we are going to show everybody what the truth is. And they were counting on that information being kept behind closed doors by someone like Adam Schiff. They never thought it would come to fruition, and they look like fools. And instead of just saying we were wrong, our sources are wrong. We're going to take a look at how we use anonymous sourcing from now on. And, you know, maybe if they have a political motive, we shouldn't be allowing them to be anonymous in the first place and abusing the anonymous source uh, privilege, because, which is usually reserved for people who are, you know, whistleblowers or people who may lose their job as a result of talking about something like this. Instead of taking a hard look at why they reported things incorrectly for years, um, they're just trying to change the narrative. And I'm sorry, Brian, this is not a scandal for President Trump. You know, it's not his fault that the virus came from China. It's a Chinese virus. This is something that has happened to the country. It's not something that he did and then covered up. It's something that he is managing to the best of his ability. But this is not a scandal for the Trump administration, as he claimed. So a couple of things that are coming down the pike. Michael Flynn and that judge that clearly has a personal animus towards the three-star general who has now put his life in hyperspace because he says, I'm going to have an amicus brief that allows people to file their version of what should happen to Michael Flynn. Uh, and there's no date for him to get a, be in front of the judge again. I think personally, uh, Katie, they're waiting for Michael Flynn. Uh, they're waiting for Donald Trump to lose in November because they believe he will and get a new Department of Justice and maybe try him again. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. I think it's absurd that they're now asking for amicus briefs from outside uh, agencies who and people and political operatives and, and, and very distinct uh, people who have been after Flynn and on the side of the bad actors in the situation. It's kind of strange to me that you know, this is not a Supreme Court case that affects the rest of the country, depending on the rulings. We file amicus briefs. It's about an individual uh, who clearly, you know, the case was supposed to be closed in December and it was continued to be open. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right about them just trying to, to wait it out. But I think that's a, a hope that they may be disappointed about come November, given the current situation with Joe Biden's campaign. Do your sources tell you that Rick Grinnell is going to tell us who requested the unmasking of Michael Flynn and possibly others? Do you do you think Rick Grinnell is going to yeah. let us see that? So I have been told that the, know, the list will not yeah. be released by Grinnell, but that it will be released. So, you know, DOJ is saying that they're not going to release it. Um, other sources are saying that Grinnell is not going to release it. So I'm not exactly clear on who's going to release it, but I think there will be some back and forth and discussion. I, know, I talked to a source yesterday at DOJ who said that they just want to make sure that they're, they're acting uh, appropriately and applying it in a relevant way to the cases. And, they, and of course, John Durham's situation is, uh, investigation is still ongoing, and they don't want to put any of that in, in jeopardy. So it, it's kind of a waiting game, but I've been told it will happen soon. It just is not clear exactly which department or agency will be releasing it at this point, but I've been told it will be released. It's all, okay, because um, uh, we saw the DOJ punted and said it's not really our thing. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the Department of National, uh, you know, the uh, the DNI yeah, director I mean, the DOJ is of National saying, Intelligence. Look, DNI's list, the DNI declassified it, they can release it. Um, so we'll just have to see exactly how that goes down. How interesting would it be if the truth, if the rumors are true that John Brennan had information that showed the Russians actually wanted Hillary Clinton to win and he suppressed it? What would that do to this I whole mean, narrative that, that Brian Stelter is so sick of? That makes perfect sense to me, Brian. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, the fact that Hillary Clinton left her server wide open for the Russians to take a look at what was in her server. She was, you know, emailing classified information on an unsecure server. Um, that's an easy thing for the Russians to take advantage of. Um, she was soft on Russia. She showed up to their a meeting with them with a stupid plastic easy button, uh, you know, as a d- diplomatic uh, gesture, uh, whereas President Trump, you know, has criticized Europe for, you know, continuing to buy Russian um, oil and gas as, you know, they continue to say that NATO is an important thing to, to push back on Russian aggression. I mean, if you look at the policy positions of Hillary Clinton under Barack Obama and how Obama was soft on Russia in terms of not giving Ukraine lethal weapons, um, you know, saying that he will have more flexibility after his reelection, you know, please transmit that to Vladimir, et cetera. The policy positions of the Obama administration, which Hillary Clinton was a part of and an extension of as Secretary of State, are far worse for the United States and better for Russia than the people who were working in the Trump administration on the Russia issue. It just it makes no sense that they would want Trump as a as as as, as the person in office in the United States. So Lindsey Graham is chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and he says as things come down, he is ready to act. Cut thirty seven. 
Yeah, the question for us as a as a Congress is, did the Obama uh, administration use unmasking as a political weapon? That's the question that I want to answer. Uh, the January 5th meeting, I'm dying to know exactly why Sally Yates didn't know about the Flynn investigation, but President Obama did. I would uh, urge Rick Grinnell, who's done a terrific job, to release the names of the people who made the unmasking request. I know. Uh, so he's calling on it, too. Is he waiting for John Radcliffe to get confirmed and he steps away from that job? Or does he do it and let Radcliffe take over? I, I think it's going to, the list will be released before Grinnell uh, is out of that acting position. Um, maybe they will wait till Radcliffe gets confirmed, but I, I've been told that it will, it's coming soon. So soon to me means like in the next couple of days. Uh, at least a, a week, and I, I'm not sure when Ratcliffe's uh, confirmation vote is. Mm. Um, but I think it's going to, just based on what I've been told, that it's going to be released. So, you know, Grinnell can kind of do that and walk away and then go to his own thing without having, you know, to deal with the, the politics of it. Um, but I'm, I've been told it's going to be released so we can stand by. It just depends on, you know, the issue here is, okay, so... Right. Where will be accountability for the people who possibly engaged in illegal activity by leaking these names of the unmasked Americans to the media? Because that is a crime. And so whether the Senate Judiciary Committee through Lindsey Graham can do some accountability, he's been talking for a long time about how he wants to hold hearings on you know, FISA abuse and all the, the abuse that went on at the FBI. But then he also says that he's waiting for John Durham to finish his investigation because he doesn't want to impede on an ongoing investigation like Adam Schiff did, for example. While the Mueller investigation was going on, Adam Schiff was doing his yeah. own investigation. They both came to the same conclusion that there was no collusion. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see what kind of accountability there is. Um, there's been more lately than I've seen in a while in Washington. You know, the, the, the motto here is screw up, move up rather than, you know, get in trouble or be held accountable for your actions. Um, so we'll just, we'll have to see. But the president right. wants accountability and the American people do as well. So, Katie, uh, you wrote an article about uh, Chuck Grassley. It's time to find out what Biden knew. And he said that. So mm -hmm. they played that cut on Good Morning America. And listen to what Joe Biden said. Because keep in mind, he was a vice president they want to tell us was very hands-on. Cut 45. Your former Senate colleague, Charles Grassley, has added that Flynn was entrapped and asked on the Senate floor, what did Obama and Biden know? When did they know it? So what did you know about those moves to investigate uh, Michael Flynn? And was there anything improper done? I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn, number one. Number two, this is all about diversion. This is a game this guy plays all the time. The country is in crisis. We're in an economic crisis, a health crisis. We're in real trouble. He should stop trying to always divert attention from the real concerns of the American people. The American people are worried with good reason. Okay, first off, it was Grassley. No one's distracting. This is a major story. Then Biden realized how wrong he was. Cut 46. Now, I thought you asked me whether or not I had anything to do with him being prosecuted. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I was aware that there was, that there, they asked for an investigation. But that's all I know about it. And I don't think anything else. So, <laughs> how's Biden doing explaining himself? So Joe Biden's entire campaign has been based on, I have 30 plus years of experience in Washington, D.C. I am a statesman. I, I, I have leadership value. I've been in the room 
when big decisions that President Obama made uh, had an effect on the country. Well, he was in the room when President Obama told Sally Yates and was informing her and giving her information about what the FBI was doing with Michael Flynn and listening in on his phone calls. And the question, Brian, is this. What did Joe Biden know? How involved was he? And what does he think about the idea that the intelligence agencies will weaponize for political purposes against a political campaign? Because this is about abuse of power, and he was part of the Obama administration, and there are serious questions about whether he would employ the federal government agencies, whether it's the IRS, the Department of Justice, or the intelligence uh, services, to go after people politically. Because the Obama administration has a long track track record of doing exactly that and people are if you look at polling across the board people are worried about abuse of power and and corruption and government overreach and the over politicization of our institutions which is why they don't trust them and so that is a big question that joe biden is going to have to answer and he can't argue on one hand that he is he was involved with the, the obama administration he had a lot of responsibility and therefore he was like a preview to him being ready to be president based on his experience as vice president but also argue that he didn't know anything, even though he was in the room of the meeting when all of this took place. So gotcha. he's going to have to figure out how to kind of square those two things. Katie Pavlich writes for Town Hall, Fox News contributor, plays a key role in The Five. Are you on The Five tonight? I will be on Social Report tonight, actually. So I will see you there. That's also a very good show, Katie. You're going to become even more famous. <laughs> Katie, thanks so much. Appreciate it. <laughs> thanks, Brian. Have a good one. You got it. When we come back, uh, we take a little break from the politics and talk about how people are dealing with the pandemic. Elizabeth Lyons joins us, very successful country music star, and she's going to be joining us from Nashville with a special message. It's Brian Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. The anxiety and stress caused by debt, overwhelming. It makes you feel alone. There's no way out, right? Especially now. But you don't have to go through it alone. Freedom Debt Solutions has more than 400 debt experts ready to help you get rid of expensive credit card or personal loan debt faster than you can on your own. And you can do it with one low, affordable monthly program payment. Right. When it comes to getting out of debt, there is no one size fits all. Freedom Debt Solutions is here to find the right one for your specific situation. Since 2002, they've served over 750,000 clients, settling 2.7 million accounts and settled over 10 billion in debt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card or personal loan debt and struggling to make the monthly payments, there is hope. Find out how. You can talk to Freedom Debt Solutions and get an expert there and get free personalized debt consultation as early as today. So go to freedomdebtsolutions.com slash Brian. That's freedomdebtsolutions.com slash Brian. freedomdebtsolutions.com slash B-R-I-A-N. It's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain, straining and bloating again and again. No way. Maybe it's occasional constipation. Maybe it's not. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. 
Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Maybe it's not occasional constipation. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. You may be able to talk to a doctor online. Visit linzess.com. Sponsored by Allergan and Ironwood.